Hello, and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hi, I'm Brad. <laughs> so enthusiastic. Okay, okay. okay. Well, this is our second take. You said the first one was too, was too down. I don't want to depress anyone. So there you go. Happy, happy birthday. It's not my birthday. Okay, today we're going to review The Queen of Elfland's Son. But first, let's answer a question from the mailbag. Goody! Okay, so this question comes in from Phlox, P-H-L-O-X, for those familiar, uh, who also has a blog at whosemeasure.blogspot.com, also known as Whose Measure God Could Not Take, Yielding Uncertainty and Unyielding Bronze. Quite the subtitle there. Wow. Yeah. Love the dra- love the Love the drama. I feel like blogs need more of that. <laughs> a lot of them have that, I think. I would say. All right. Uh, for those who don't know, Flux does a lot of stuff, um, a lot of glog stuff. Uh, I think they're very known for their various glog work, but also a number of web-based scenarios and um, some cool little system hacks and such. Uh, big fan of Flux personally. Uh, thanks. Welcome to the show, yeah, Flux. Thank you so much for reaching out to our email, which is between two Karens at gmail.com. And. Let's read a lot of build up yeah. to this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. Well, I was excited to see. The, you're, getting you know. me, you're getting me hyped for this one. Oh, okay, you know, okay. It's like we're climbing a mountain. I'm going to read this email now. Hi, Ochai and Brad. I feel like there are a lot of. Hi, Flox. I feel like a lot of OSR slash NSR podcasts, channels, and websites focus their attention in reviewing and recommending modules published on Itch or available through various indie presses. This is great for someone like me who reads a lot of OSR blogs but can be pretty ignorant of old school product releases. But it seems like other people who are more familiar with the commercial side of the OSR but who aren't dedicated blog readers miss out on great modules, tools, and resources which are released for free. And Vlox's question is... Do you think there are hidden gems to be unearthed on the many great OSR blogs? Should reviewers and commenters stick to polished products? Hmm. Essentially, uh, you know, this is a pretty easy answer. Yeah, there's tons of great stuff on OSR blogs. And a lot of people, some even on this very podcast, uh, do not read blogs. So they miss out on some of the great hidden gems, as Flox alludes to. I've absolutely seen some great stuff on blogs. A lot of stuff has started on blogs. Uh, an example of that, of course, is Arnold K's Layer of the Lamb, which we reviewed recently. But also... That, go ahead. No, that's a hidden gem. It's that's not no, hidden that's at a, all. That's a pretty, very, very yeah, popular. No, but there's other stuff, too. Uh, it, you know, it, I, the Trilemma stuff generally shows up on my, you know, the... What's, what is the... Is it just Trilemma.org? <laughs> I don't know. On uh, Michael Prescott's uh, blog, and then ends up going later to print, or did in this case, but for years was only on his blog. Yeah, you know, I thought I, I thought I was like a blog reader, but the more I talk to you and uh, and and or Skullboy, the more I realize maybe I don't actually read blogs at all because I have no idea what you guys are ever talking about. There's a lot of blogs out there. There are folks who think that the blogosphere is all that matters and it's the beating heart of the OSR. I'm not going to weigh in on that. Uh, I will say (sighs) blogs are a great place to just spend time not getting involved in toxicity and putting out some cool products without any sort of transactional 
requirement. You know, I, I think in essence, blogs are really great. And I'd love to see a return to blogs. I mean, we never really left to be clear, but I, there was a point that some folks will point to there that blogs were the main place you'd find uh, OSR inspiration and, and content. And I, I don't know that that's actually true. I think there's always been many places for fun OSR and indie RPG content, but I, I agree that yeah. blogs are pretty important. That said, I suck it up to my own blog, so I can't really speak to that. I do think it's cool. Yeah. You, you blog sometimes. Let me ask you, is, is, are, are blogs lonely when you, when you spend a lot of time on a blog post and you squirt it out to the world? describe it that way I, I do you get a sense of like what's next now what no i get reply no because then i go tweet about it and then i get replies <laughs> it seems like you need like a supplemental communication thing to get people to care you know or at least you just don't know i mean people subscribe I, okay for those who don't know i maintain a list of uh, over 600 rpg rss feeds if anyone is interested in those i think it's on my website but anyhow uh, maybe I'll link to it. I'm a fan of using feed aggregators to read blogs all at once. I read about 20 a day, which sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Um, and often I'll see the same blog posts linked elsewhere. But I, I do like it. That's true. There's sometimes like a blog like churn, like people talk about a blog post and it kind of just bounces around to the other There blog. are a certain group of people that I know decently well that all blog at each other. And I personally don't like that. I feels very clickish to me to sort of just, Mm -hmm. I read your, you know what it reminds me of is (laughs) when people from one podcast go on another, another person's podcast, and then they just talk about their their podcast. It's, it's very um, circular, which, uh, you know, good stuff comes out of that, but I don't know. It makes me feel weird. Uh, but what's what's the alternative? You just squirt this thing out in the world, and you're like, I wonder if anyone's no, reading no, it. You, know? you just keep doing it because you do it. You know, like, I, okay. I, I didn't I'm, mean to make a dumb guy voice on bloggers. I respect blogs. Always, you know, okay. I, I'm not trying to disparage default. blogs. I'm just saying it feels yeah. like, you know, you, you know, on Twitter, if someone likes your little joke, they tap the little heart. You know, and you're like, oh, that person liked my little joke. I, they tapped on. I feel like not everyone does everything for that immediate dopamine hit. You know, some people just want to do it. Yeah, I know. I guess. I guess that's. I've never had a feeling that I needed to communicate a long form thought into a blog that I didn't care whether oh. someone read or not. Okay. You know what I mean? I yeah. Well, that's. That's you. I have many That's long. That's my journey. Yeah, I have many long That's form my... thoughts, and many of them uh, I do not have the time to write out a full thing. I, I wish I did. In fact, I would. I wish my life was set up in such a way where I was doing that. Maybe after Karen Second Edition comes out, I will focus more on writing blog posts about stuff that I just find interesting. That would be cool. No pressure, you know. I think with a blog post, you also. Take longer to make it full form. You know, some people, uh, like, for example, <laughs> uh, Night at the Opera, Night spelled K-N-I-G-H-T, uh, Dwiz Khalifa, who blogs there. Wow. I don't know how you can write such long articles and so quickly. I mean, they are long, really, really long. Or, you know, <laughs> Marsha over at, um, it is traversefantasy.blogspot.com. That's I mean, she, yeah, yeah. she will write full-on like phd thesis as far as i'm concerned yeah about just you know reconciling thaco target 20 and more and 
uh, you know, mm-hmm. collapsed tiers of play. And I, I, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed by no. how, I mean, actually that one's not even that long, but some of her stuff gets so in depth. Um, yeah. And I'm impressed. Uh, you know, that stuff is, takes a lot of, a lot out of you to write blogs. So maybe you just don't have a, right. a the, the soul of a blogger. I don't No, I, I respect bloggers. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to understand you, how they get there. I have an aside here. Do you, know? you remember you're what? Uh-huh. In your late thirties, right? I'm, dude. We're the same. Oh, we're the same age. age. Our birthday is one day apart. Yeah, four. I am I forgot, forty. I forgot. 40. I fell back to when I thought you were younger. Right. Our, we have one day, and our parents' birthdays are one day apart too. Right. Right. That's yes. so weird. One year and one, one day, day apart. Yeah, right. 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 Uh, yeah. Okay. Can't believe. Like every day, you forget the magical zodiac yeah. of of our online relationship yeah. here you know okay. the stars are aligning over this That's podcast how that works so as you know? what i wanted to point out is do you remember when blogger was a pejorative uh like they would make <laughs> fun of, of them i feel like they make fun of them yeah. you know on tv oh some bloggers showed up it was early internet times and maybe it was on the simpsons or something but you would make fun I, of and, bloggers yeah. yeah and i feel like you still get that with like celebrities you know like Kanye will be like, oh, the bloggers. You know what I mean? It's like this invisible boogeyman of like criticism, the, you know? The bloggers and the Jews for him. Although I guess he likes Jews now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I jumped off that sinking ship long ago. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, one thing I wanted to point out was Coins uh-huh. and Scrolls, which is a uh, Skirple's blog, uh, goes uh-huh. into a review of the Trilemma Adventure volume that came out a couple years ago which i have in print it's very wide yeah trilemma is um, yeah it's great, great stuff. stuff i've run a bunch of trilemma of dungeons a bunch um and what uh Skirples does here is go through every adventure in that volume which are all linked to their on the web because they they were blog posts originally and um rates them <laughs> some somewhat viciously in some cases uh, i also don't yeah. fully agree with all these ratings i mean i like the coming of sorg but um there's some of these other ones that he that are listed here that are that i just don't think are that good but you know it's got yeah. the sky blind sky spires there and uh three for the three for the grave uh, oddly doesn't put i love stellarium of the winter elf and it's rated as mid-tier as is circle of wolves which is both two that i love so different opinions i guess um yeah i do agree with some of the poor ones though anyhow you can go and look at these ratings it's just at coins and scroll uh-huh. at coins and scrolls.blogspot.com there is a trilemma i'm sure there's a tag or something but you can look at a full review of every single dungeon which is quite cool so you you say this because Trilemma released blog adventures for free before they were collected in a book. And this is an example of like hidden gems in yeah, blogs. Yeah, is that yeah, okay, yeah. If you go, you can click on the link to Stellarium of the Winterolf from Tuesday, yes, yes. the 7th of January, 2014. And there's a whole little uh-huh. thing. And, you know, um, Michael Prescott posts yeah. the entire dungeon. So how is this not an example yeah. I mean, it's not hidden, I, I d- guess. I didn't understand where how we got here, but I understand how you're answering I was pivoting. Okay, I get it. I think, yeah, absolutely, there's there's some hidden gems in blogs. Uh, I, I don't know where they are. I don't read enough blogs, but um, I know they're there. I think it's a lot easier to review things that are, like, commercially released on Itch or DriveThru or other storefronts because there's, I feel like, a kind of um, intention behind the artist to put it out in the world and seek criticism almost right if you're asking for money for a product there's a certain confidence behind that that this is a 
this is a, a product, and it's something that can be met with criticism. I think with like a free blog adventure, there's absolutely going to be some bangers out there, but you have to approach it with a different uh, critical lens. This is a lot more spirit of generosity, sharing. You know what I mean? This is like someone doing a kindness, sharing their art for free in the world. Um, and, you know, I think it's harder to approach that from a critical lens because um, it just has a different intent behind it. Um, so I personally love to hear more of these hidden gems. Uh, if anyone has any favorites, any uh, blog greatest hits that uh, you think I don't know about, which is probably likely because I'm a big dum-dum who doesn't read. I'm an illiterate uh, simpleton uh, making his his best in a world that doesn't understand him and actively wants to destroy him. Send me a message. Tell me where these are. I'll figure it out. Uh, okay. You know, okay. And, uh, okay. Maybe we can redo a, like a free uh, you know blog adventure roundup. That be, might be fun. That might be a good theme show. You know? What do you sure, think about yeah, that? Sure, yeah, yeah. So favorite yeah. favorite dungeons we read online. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, – right. And it's more instead of being like, ah, I didn't like the typeface. You know, it would be more like, right. oh, we shed light on these on these bangers. You know what I mean? We we let these let these beautiful plants grow in the light of uh, a podcast, you know? Oh, okay. Well, thanks for the question, Flocks. See you out in the – discords uh let's move on okay let's move on okay today we're going to review the queen of elfland's son by michael curtis it's a dcc adventure yes with layout by jay goodman editing by the reverend dak ultimak cover art is san julian cartography by stefan pogue and published by none other than goodman games who else uh, this adventure came out in 2018. It is for DCC RPG. Uh, yep. Yeah, level one. It's adventure. a level one adventure. That's right. And before we dive into this, I'm going to ask you, Brad, how familiar are you with yes. Lord Dunsany? Um, not familiar. <laughs> how familiar are you with so, Lord Dunsany? Well, I'm sure I say his name wrong because I've never said it aloud. How odd. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The reason I I am asking you this is because the Queen of Elfland's son is obviously a play on the King of Elfland's daughter. Okay, there we go. See, there we go. So, do you not know? I'm sorry. Do you not know that? I'm just asking. No, I didn't know that. Okay, no, that's great. That's great. That's great. Okay, yeah, because this was actually so. You know, you're Mister Mythology, Mister uh, Folklore. You know, um, and this adventure is very much in the vein of the Sealy Court, the fairies, the 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 kindly folk, the you know, the Fearbolg, the um, you know, you know what I'm, you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, at. no, great work, the great land work. So, of fairy. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay. And, I don't know what you called me again, Mister Folk. Something? Yeah, Mister Folklore. So yeah, my question for you is, um, what you know. How are how are people getting here? How are they finding? Because you know, I've seen. I mean, this is this is easy because they just this is a not a parody, but this is a okay. subversion of a, an existing novel. That was my that was my question. It seems like when I when I read stuff with uh, fairy kind of stuff like this, Black Apple Brew. The answer is reading. <laughs> what do you want to know? No, I understand. I my my question is: Is there a major work that 
covers these subjects that I'm not aware of because I feel like I see them in like secondhand view. You know, Sandman yeah. is in the fairy world, and I'm, they're like, "There's Queen Mob, who I know about because she keeps showing up in like books about fairy." Like, what? What? What, what is the? Yeah, you know what is the like primary source that people are getting this mythology from? That's a great question, and it's there's no single primary source. Um, is it just like a mishmash of like Welsh and Irish and you know British Isles kind of folklore? Uh, I mean, obviously yes, but okay. I think if I had to point to one, it would probably be the Demonology, which is a book by King James the Sixth. By the way, okay. same King James that the Bible is so named after. Heard of him? Same King James that uh, Macbeth was written for. Um, he was obsessed with demons and obsessed with witchcraft and obsessed with magic. Do you think he was the original D and D guy? He no, he like most of what we what has survived today is because of King James, that little lunatic. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he was a Scottish guy who came down to. Um, england to become king kind of not accidentally but he was he wasn't first in line or whatever and uh yeah i mean he is this book was from 1597 and was used it it is fundamental to our understanding of the beliefs at the time but he also probably made stuff up um he fully believed in this stuff by the way fully yeah and um side note side note one of my favorite bumper stickers which I I don't understand it, but I love the I love the energy behind it. If it ain't King James, it ain't Bible. I don't know something about that sp- <laughs> speaks to me. Well, that's probably an allusion to the fact that the King James Bible is very close to the Hebrew the the, uh-huh. the what 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 you would call the quote unquote Hebrew Bible in terms of translation. I, I just love p- someone has enough energy to put that on their car and yeah. the use of the word ain't <laughs> in regards to like the correct uh, interpretation of the Bible. Anyway, go on. But yeah, but it, it is so interesting to me that we had this king who was just like, I'm going to make a Bible and then I'm going to write a book on witches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just funny. So uh, yeah, wow, what a guy. Anyhow, so a lot of these people are pulling from known. First off, there have been folklorists for hundreds of years. Yeah. I mean, the Brothers Grimm were folklorists. They traveled around Germany recording the stories and then turning them into kind of cool tales Uh that's always been a thing i like that idea of like you know uh fairy journalism you know yeah no but there is a sort of scientific approach to it and eventually especially in the 20th century there became a understood field of study where you could identify a folk tale based on certain traits and it would catalog in a certain way and then you could say oh that's a that's an IFA A215, and you know what that means, you know, um, uh, which is the Israeli folk archive, by the way. Uh, but it's, but that's a specific. There's like, there's a bunch for different systems, but there are gen- general trends. The, the answer to your question is there's no single source, but there are a couple major ones. Uh-huh. In terms of this specific module, we're talking about Lord Dunsany's The King of Elfland's Daughter. If you don't know who Lord Dunsany was, he was a, Irish and later English author. Um, he was a baron, which is why his name was Lord. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm a dumb so American. His real huh. name is uh, he has uh, Edward Plunkett. Yeah, <laughs> Edward we got Plunkett. facts. We got facts so on this show, folks. No, no. I'm just saying it's so much less interesting than Lord Dunsany. But he is Eddie Plunkett, old Eddie. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, he wrote what is considered the the Lord of the Rings. Before the Lord of the Rings. There we go. Thank you. That's that. Okay. Which is 
Yeah, so the the King of Elfland's Daughter came out in 1924. It is a very now well-known book, but was completely obscure when it came out. It was later picked up and beloved by a bunch of other very famous authors like Sprague de Camp and, um, of course, uh, Tolkien. The story of the King of Elfland's Daughter specifically is that there is a small village called Earl, E-R-L. Sound familiar? Okay, go on. And in this story, the King of Earl, um, he is asked by a group of villagers called the Parliament. Does that sound familiar? Okay. Again? Yep. This is all going to be... Yeah, okay. Uh, They say... that. So the the Parliament goes to the King and says, we don't have enough magic in our lives. Can you you do something about that? (laughs) Great (laughs) question. Great question. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, I guess they have a tight relationship because the King says, yeah, no problem. I got you. And he sends... um, his son to marry the daughter of the king of Elfland. Now, if you don't know about the Scottish interpretation of the realm of fairy, there are two courts. There's the Seelie court and the Unseelie court. The Seelie court, everyone is chill. Everyone is nice. Yeah. Oh, elves are so awesome. Yeah. The Unseelie court. We keep it Seelie around they're, here. You know? they're, they're inverted. The Unseelie court, it's like suddenly the queen takes over. The king gets imprisoned, and um, every good elf becomes a bad elf. These are not uh, D&D elves. These are magical fairies who are more... You know, if you've read anything from Wormskin or the Dolmenwood setting, yeah. it's very much like those kinds of elves. And anyhow, in the story, um, Alveric, who's the son of um, the king of, of uh, Earl, he uh, tries to marry the daughter of the king of Elfland. And um, it doesn't work out. And so he goes on this whole quest to try to find the entire country of Elfland. You know, because yeah. uh, the his, the king of Elfland doesn't want the king of Earl's son to marry his daughter. Anyhow, that is um, the butchered version of the story. Um, it is totally readable, except it's oddly archaic. Like the... If you've ever read uh, The Nightland, which uh-huh. is one of my favorites, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's also similarly archaic. It's it's purposely written. Like you could have written you could he could have written it in, in English that was totally intelligible today. Right. He did not. <laughs> he wrote it in an archaic <laughs> sense, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I know what you mean. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm doing a bad job explaining No, that's this, great. He, that's great context cuz okay. I uh, I mean I've heard the name, The King of Elfland's Daughter. I've heard of Lord Dunstan. I've never read them. There's no movie adaptation for this. It's not I don't think it's like uh, baked into the like creative zeitgeist of like American pop culture, you know. So I think that's that's very handy context for this module, which seems to be a adaptation of the King of Elfland's Daughter. Um, yeah, and there's some other references that happen in here. There's like some um, magical stuff that happens, but it's a bit spoilery. Yeah, um, that's that's similar. Uh, obviously, this was setting wise inspired, but it's really not the same at all. You know, I mean, yes, it's about sending the son instead of the daughter, but from Elfland to the land of man or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, but otherwise it's, it's pretty different. Um, uh-huh. Now that we've sort of established that this adventure is yeah. about, it's a set, it's inspired by the King of Elfland's daughter. Um, why don't you tell our listeners what this is actually about? Okay, so there's a little bit of deduction at first. I'm going to spoil it because it's not all that deductive, <laughs> and it's kind of 
Uh, it's frankly a little railroady at the beginning. So the players are, uh, they come to a town. The town has a problem. Problem is there's a beast stalking their animals and their people. A few people have been killed and, um, they have been like wounded by like a, uh, a, a powerful, like, I don't know, gouging spear like attack. And they say, Hey, we're simple farmers. We don't, we don't know what this stuff's about. Can you figure it out? Well, players figure it out. It's a evil unicorn. And, um, after doing so and after dispatching this thing and or chatting with the one farmer who knows about this stuff, we learn that the elves have returned to this land. Um, and they have a, uh, a mound where they are appearing from. And so ultimately, this takes us to the dungeon portion where players enter this mound, deal with a bunch of fairy-themed encounters, and ultimately engage with the elf land's son, uh, who is a wicked, unseely guy who is uh, wanting to do bad things to this land. And uh, so we get a dungeon crawl to uh, to stop it. Okay, let's talk about the art. I love it. Great art. Always love to see Stefan Poeg. Yeah, Stefan Poeg was great, but let's talk about the cover first, which is uh, San Julian, who is very distinct um, in their work. Uh, it's very different from everything else in the adventure. It really reminds me of um, Paul Anderson's uh, Broken Sword trilogy, mm-hmm. okay. uh, which is also very good, by the way, but it's, it's set in a... Um, non-Tolkien fantasy world that is also England and there's like Christianity but also elves and they're opposed but it really does it's like Viking elves versus Christians that's <laughs> but that, that that's what okay. this reminds me of that's yeah I like I like the they cover also I don't it doesn't strongly suggest to me the content within because we have these armor not at all not and these at all barbarian like Frazetta looking dudes and yeah, I don't agreed. understand like, which where one's are the supposed elves? to be the elves. Where, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is why it reminds me of Broken Sword, because in the in the Broken Sword trilogy, there is um elves are just people with swords. Yeah. Like they're they're like Vikings. They're not and that's why it reminds me of that. Yeah. But the rest of it, you know, you pop in there, you get some classic St- Stefan Poet. Right. And that it's um, like, oh yeah, those are the bad elves. That's what I expect. Right, the little right. pointy crown on the the you know, the right. pointy ear. Like it looks like a Mirkwood elf or something. Yeah. Uh, the map, the map is really, really, really impressive. Yeah. I hate it for game reasons, but what? I love how it looks. Okay. Yeah. I think it does not work on a game level. We'll talk about it. I think I, it's a I great think, map. It's got I think it does absolutely nothing for you. Nothing. Uh, you don't need the map. If anything, the map hurts your ability to play. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Strong we'll get disagree. Okay. okay. Let's just keep talking about the art. Um, there's some, very classic DCC art that I don't like. Oh, come on. <laughs> the, Which, what don't you like the, about it? Uh, the, the, the two Afro chicks fighting the creature flying in the moon. I don't know what it is. It's like on page uh, six. Like I, normally lo- like, I normally like DCC art, but I didn't like this particular like Goodman Games oh. style. Uh, I just thought it was – everything looks wet. It's same thing with the unicorn. It looks really wet. Uh, it just not – yeah, it does look like, well, the that's, unicorn um, is wet. It's covered in blood. That's Oh, you know, I didn't mention this in the credits. That's Kowalski, I think, yeah. is the artist. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, something like that. Um, yeah, I know I know they're covered in blood. I just didn't like it. No, I, I like did it. love. Cool. I did love the, the Poag map. I think uh-huh. it works really well. Fantastic map. It's a great map. map. 
Um, and then I also happen to like the final piece of art with the the barrow mound at the end ish. I think the the but, art is is universally good in this. I think it's all nice. We get a lot of a lot of ink, scratchy stuff. We get some washes. This is like I don't know. This is this is doing it for me. This is what I yeah, want. I disagree with your use of the term universal here, but it is it is mostly very good. It is a. Uh, Alex Karoski. So sorry, I didn't mention that art as okay, well. Yeah, um, I got it as part of the, uh, they did that like humble bundle or something a couple uh-huh. years ago, or maybe it was, I got it as part of like 80 other adventures, which is yeah. honestly, that's the thing about DCC. They're such steals. Yeah. Steals. And well, this is um, well worth it. This is definitely part one of, if not a series, at least another, another work. Um, and it makes reference to that. Yeah. There is supposed to be a sequel. Uh, I don't know that that's that, that actually happened. Really? Um, yeah, I don't know that. I, it's, I should look and see. But maybe it I, did. I maybe it didn't. You're not going to find out here. Oh, folks. we didn't. We didn't mention though uh-huh. who we just said his name. But this is a Michael Curtis joint. That's right, Michael Stonehill Curtis. I kind of only knew him for Stonehill, so <laughs> that's cool. I guess that he did this. Yeah, I did too. It's like seeing this his name on this uh, and realizing it's uh, the Stonehill guy. I'm like, oh. That's funny. I've never thought to look to see what else <laughs> he did other than Stonehill. It's like such a, uh, I don't know, such a monumental work. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, that's that's Mr. Stonehill, and that's what he did. You know. But here we go. All right. So let's move on to talking about the adventure itself. Yeah. Um, I think the the theme and the setting are terrific. You yeah. Can slot this in next to all of our favorites in terms of the uh, overall vibe. Yeah. Is very good. I agree. It's very good. Whether you've read Lord Dunsany or not, this is a very on theme, on brand um, adventure. It doesn't feel gonzo at all. It doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel any of those other words. It just feels like what it's supposed to feel, which is a uh, British Isles fairy realm and, you know, liminal space yeah. sort of adventure. It's fresh. I don't know. I feel like the this tapping into... European folklore kind of stuff like this still feels fresh. We're seeing it more and more, obviously, but it's still it's it's like a fresh vibe. If you're just, especially for level one characters, you know, getting away from like is it goblins or is it kobolds? You know, like I don't know. It's that's that is just so played out. Fighting the little the little monster men who want to do evil to you. Here we get some fairies, unicorns kind of stuff i don't know it's just it's a fresh it's a fresh vibe and i'm i'm feeling on that for sure let me talk about what i didn't like uh no 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 let me reverse that let me talk about what i did like yeah here we go get your give me your give me your you know your 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 one dollar cover overview here what do you tell me what do you like my favorite thing about this is thort a throt which is the butler the the butler encounter in the who hangs who hangs out i just think that that's a very very elf-like character yes there's a lot of, you know, beats you need to hit with elves where you make agreements with each other and you you follow certain rules for engagements. I just really liked that character. Yeah. I I felt like of all the characters, it was the most that actually felt like an elf. Um, there's a farmer and there's a butler. I like both of them. Uh-huh. My biggest problem with this adventure is that it's extremely railroady and everything comes down to a dice roll. And I found that to be very frustrating. There's very little agency in this. This is this, in my opinion, this is an anti-OSR adventure. Huh. Uh, this particular dungeon slash adventure 
I don't feel like there's much of a choice. The town is very briefly painted. You get really nothing to interact with there. Your options are to go and investigate this wooded area or talk to this person at a farm. That's a choice, I suppose. But inevitably, you are funneled into one specific place. There's nothing else to go do. There's this map there that we you talked about loving. What on the map can you actually do? Very you true. can travel from the town to the farm, to the wood, to the mound. And they're all basically, in, they're, they're, they're clustered together in two different places, not far apart. There's nothing between them. I mean, there's a river between the town and the farm. There's nothing... You're supposed to travel for two hours between the town and the farm, and yet there's nothing going on in between. Uh And then there's nothing going on between the woods and the fairy mound. Uh And I feel like it. there's no choice here. You're just, you're funneled and railroaded until you're in the realm of fairy. Yeah. And then once you're in there, your interactions are, well, yes, it's a dungeon, so you have choices, but almost every encounter is up to a dice roll. If you have this level of charisma, pass a DC whatever check for charisma, you can do this. If you can't, well, there's a combat situation. And that's like every single thing. And and there's some deep drive stuff I could get into that'll make this more um, apparent, but I I guess I'm doing a bad job of being um, vague about it. So that's my problem. I I feel like there's very little agency. I I hear what you're saying. I disagree with with that sentiment. Um, I think so. Let me let me just say I think this is a little lopsided of a module. I think too much time is spent describing the town, the trail, the farm, all the stuff that leads you to the dungeon. Um, because that is, you know, it is very. I hate to say railroady, but there's really not a lot of paths to get you to the the meat of this, which is the dungeon. Um, it's like. You go to the town. The town says, go talk to the farmer. You go to the farmer. The farmer says, go to the mound. It's like, it's all fine. It's just a little undercooked. I wish there were some encounters to spice things up in the wilderness. They don't have to be combat. Weird suggestions of fairy goings on. You know, stuff like that. I wish there was more to do. We find out uh, later that one of the animal deaths that happened in town was caused by something else. You find out what that is. Give us more of that other thing. You know what I mean? Like, I wish there was just more meat on the first half because it's a lot of pages for what is essentially not a lot of, uh, not a lot of action. It's just. So, so if uh I could counter. Yeah. I disagree. I, okay. I agree with you that there's wasted time on the non-dungeon parts, but they're only wasted because there's nothing to interact with. Yeah. If it was fleshed out more, like in Black Apple Brew, for example, where yeah, you yeah. spend a month in that town, sure. then it would be totally worth it. A- absolutely. But instead, it's, it, instead it's like, oh, here's here's a linear path. Yes. And you just go through these quote-unquote choices, yeah. and you'll get where I want you to go. And that, to me, is frustrating. Yes. I th- but but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with what's here. It's just like not enough to really be interesting as written i think until you get to the dungeon. Uh, but the, okay i will give it a little bit okay i don't know why i'm defending it now i'm the one who didn't like it but i will say uh-huh. i appreciate the descriptive text i think it's very good it is i think the I, farmer I think is very well depicted his language agree his read aloud like stuff he says is <laughs> yeah. excellent there's a his quirks, there's a little bit too much too much great. read aloud for me in this one and, but, and i yeah, think the um, encounter where you finally find the source of the trouble and spoiler it's a unicorn that's awesome great Great first fight. Oh, man. You're uh, fighting a unicorn? I yes. love it. All that is so cool. Yes. I just feel like 
it doesn't I would do this if I were to run this uh-huh. I would compl- I would basically fill in all the gaps. Yeah. I would leave evidence for things, but yeah. they, you do your homework. You do your own work. You don't choose between A and B, but don't worry, it's going to be A in the end. Like I would I would try to make it actually feel like a sandbox or or do something to give the PC's agency. Right. Now all that said, I really want to get into it, so why don't we just deep dive, please? Fine, deep dive. Deep dive! So I do like the dwarf character. I find that interesting. It is a bit of a GMPC at it, one point. This is so silly. Our deep, I mean, we gave everything away. Like, I don't know why we're deep diving anything. Like, we all know what, huh? what this I, thing's about. There's stuff. No, you don't know everything. There's, we'll talk about you know, these specific the encounters. So the, that's what we're the spoiler, the spoiler, though, is that the king, uh, I'm sorry, the son of the queen of Elfland has been sent to just mess with the mortals right. to... You know, as payback for something from generations before. Yeah, an ancient and he is ancient just transgression evil. from a farmer or from the duke or something. I hate the sun because no matter what you do, okay, 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 let's back up here. I need to take a breath. So first off, the the character curses you. No matter what, the character's getting cursed, uh-huh. right? That's just something he does. He curses you, and then the only way to fix the curse, and it gives you a couple options, but it's not. It's not him because he will never uncurse you. Uh, he tries to get if you kill him, you don't. You, you're, you, the character does, doesn't get uncursed. And if you get him to say he'll uncurse you, he always betrays you. Yeah, always. And there's no, uh, there's nothing you could role play to fix that situation. Like he's gonna curse you, and you're gonna be cursed. And the only way to fix it is to go to a, a powerful you know, sorcerer type or something, or uh, the king of Elfland or something. Uh But there's no way in this adventure to get uncursed. And to me, it was just a a great microcosm of what I don't like about this adventure. Nothing you do matters. Every situation you get into, it's a dice roll to solve. There's over and over and over again. Oh, a DC 12 willpower save, or a DC 14 uh, dexterity, or it's always that. Every situation is solved by a dice roll or combat. Here's what I think. I disagree. I think there's a lot of ways you can approach these encounters. Even the that the you know the encounter with the duke and the curses. I think there's different ways to approach that too. I think what you don't care for is how this module is adapted to a specific system and that's dungeon crawl classics which is very much like skill check saving throw skill check you know what I mean it's like uh, 100% 100% but it doesn't have to be that way. The other DCC adventure uh-huh. that we uh, reviewed uh, the the spire one, the tower of the Beekman. Yes, and uh, th- that one had a little bit of the same railroadiness that I didn't like, but was way there was way more choice. In I, that I one. disagree way more because that one was very much in in the Beekman adventure. So many of those encounters were just overtly hostile forces and yeah, not a way combat. to engage. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I, what I like, I felt about, like yeah. you had. I think I think in in this one it's always just like DC check. It's always DC DC DC. DC. Every single thing is a difficulty check. But strip and out. I agree. That's a that's a DCC thing. I agree. If you remove that from the situation, yes, I don't have much to kind of grab onto. I just felt like oh another situation where we're gonna have to do a DC you know fifteen check to see whether or not I know the PC noticed this thing over and over and over again. All right. uh, and I you're right that it's a DCC thing, but I think it's especially frustrating for Here's me. Here's where I disagree though. Every encounter once we get to the dungeon in the barrow here gives us different likely ways that players might engage here. Like right off the bat, the entrance. 
uh, there's like four guards. There's four elves in like cool wooden armor. And, you know, it says, okay, if anyone's an elf, the el- the guards might might recognize them as elves and let them pass. If they're a dwarf, they might take you into like where the dwarf is being enslaved and try to trick them here. Like, it seems very much like you would have to just fight your way in, but it gives you a little, a few ways that it doesn't have to be a fight. And I appreciate that. Moving on to... Moving on to, like, the kitchens. There's a bunch of goblins. And it's like, yeah, the goblins here, if it looks like you're an intruder, they're going to try to attack you or get the guards. But if you're, or, like, if you took the armor from the guards and level in the first room, you could boss them around. If they, if you're an elf, you can boss them around. If you're authoritative, you can kind of, like, it gives you a lot of ideas that are not combat. Yeah, God help you in. if you show up here without without an elf in your party and without a <laughs> glamour spell, okay? Because it's, oh my God, the assumption that you're glamoured is just in every room. Oh, if you're glamoured, it's fine, you know, yeah. every single time. But, but like, let me give the you first an encounter gave you a bunch of full covered right. armor right. that you can use I, to... I, yes, I do like the first couple of rooms yeah. early on, I do like them. And I think if, you, if we just, you know, yes, it says like personality check 12 to boss the goblins, but I appreciate every encounter. It could be a fight. It could be a social negotiation. It could be subterfuge. There are lots of ways to engage. There are multiple ways to engage, but they still come down to dice rolls. For example, the butler, a DC 13 personality check plus one dice die modifier. Uh-huh. If the speaker praises his butler, he convinces Thor to throt that the party might prove a thorn in Prince Ashart's side. Yeah. So like, you're still like, why, why, why would you need to do it? I just, to me, I'm like, I don't need that. You give me all this non mechanical things to hold on to here with the butler. Uh-huh. And oh, but it comes down to a dice roll. Here's it what I say to that. To dice roll. You know? I think you're 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 struggling with DCC. You know that's like I mean that's true. If that's you're true. like if you're married to the mechanics of the dice roll, you know what skill issue, man. Throw it out. Break out of the mold. You don't have to do the DCC. Okay, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another me, one. Okay, it doesn't have to be this way. If the prince is in direct danger and succeeds in bestowing the curse on a PC, he calls to a halt the combat to inform the party that one of them is under his curse and slaying him dooms the victim forever. Uh-huh. A DC-20 intelligence check, DC-15 for elves, allows a PC to know the full story that the king or queen of a very or a very powerful cleric could also remove it. It's like, I, that's, you just took the wind out of my sails there. I, you know, the. I shouldn't. It shouldn't depend on a dice roll. I say ignore it. Should be it. interesting. Ignore I, I yeah, think, oh great. So we're ignoring it. Okay. Well, check it, man. If you don't know how to play, this is a level one adventure, right? If this is your first, if you're a new GM, this is holding your hand and saying, "Hey, look, here's some ways you could do this," right? But come on, we, well, you've been around. That's certainly true. You've been around that's the block. True. You know that it's basically saying, "Here's what this guy might do. He might negotiate, you know, and he might reveal some information." Okay, break, but okay. Like break out of the mold. One, though. We can just so, feed so that let's info say, to a player. Let's say that's true, though. Let's say that's true. You're trying to teach someone how to run this. Uh-huh. I think this is the wrong way to do this. Another one, right? You're talking to the um, Gipthin, which is the um, the, the Seneschal. The Seneschal. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so a group with a less plausible tale must make a DC-13 personality check to sway Gipthin into believing they should see the prince. If successful, he acts as above. If Gipthin is suspicious, however, he tells the party to wait while he announces them, then enters Area 112. A DC-15 intelligence check notices that the Herald appears to give the two guards a quick sign. It's like, I just need three freaking dice rolls just to interact with this one person. When It's just not necessary. Even in DCC, I just don't think it's necessary. 
I think you're a systems guy. You're getting too caught up in the numbers. I'm blind to these numbers. They don't even register. I'm seeing the if statements, you know? I'm saying if they want to negotiate, if they want to be sneaky, you know, I'm not looking at the numbers because I'm not I'm not running this in DCC. I would run this in in a different well, right, system. Obviously. You know, I, I Right, right. So, <laughs> so, so so I guess if that's true. If I didn't run this in DCC, if I just removed all these mechanics and I yeah. and I updated the outdoor aspects uh overland adventure parts then yeah this would be great because dcc strikes me as a game about you know skill checks you know that's that's how you play the game you don't yeah but it doesn't you don't have to i've read dcc stuff that doesn't i played in a dcc game that didn't require Mm -hmm. skill checks unless you're picking a lock or you know doing some magic stuff or in combat like or not you know whatever like i I don't feel like you have to do it that way i agree i think this is so I think what's strong about this work and why I think it's a very good adventure is that despite all like the skill check trappings in the encounters, it it respects the possibility of players being creative and approaching this in a non non traditional quote, you know, aka not combat way. I think a lesser writer would say, you know, six guards in a room and that's it and it's like assumed you're going to fight them but i like that it has all these accommodations for hey if someone is in a disguise here's how they might interact if someone just wants to kind of boss them around and you know just acts like they belong there here's how they might interact i think there's just a lot of interesting avenues for for uh navigating this that it it's explicit about and like despite the very like strict skill check trappings here of the system um i think it just has a lot of possibility for for like an interesting way to play this can i give you a non-mechanical example of what i'm talking about (laughs) yeah let's do it so there's a point at the very end where the prince is trying to get the um yeah the guy with the dogs in the back door uh, her, yeah her i name. think i'm about to agree with you on this one yeah <laughs> yeah allow the pcs to debate and argue and otherwise decide how to proceed once a decision is about is about to be made the following <laughs> occurs well it's, uh-huh. it's just not uh, there's no interactivity it's just literally you get attacked mm. doesn't matter what you were about to do like everything from the prince on in my opinion should be just ripped yeah. out i hate it hate it the curse i hate what happens like no matter what you do <laughs> the same thing happens what else would you call that besides railroading i'm sorry i just that's the way yeah. i see the ending i would agree with with that i i think maybe my complaint about this is there's a lack of randomness um there's no random encounters um i wish there was more dynamic elements that switch up like what's going on in this room or you know what do you encounter because um, it's a very tight dungeon. There's like these rooms are packed together. There's no empty space. There's no empty rooms. Uh, and there's no room for random encounters here. Yeah, speaking of which, so did, you, did you see how small the OGL is? It's the yeah, they really made it small. It's the smallest <laughs> OGL I've ever. It's half of a single page. Love to see it. Love it. When it's two pages of OGL, I'm like, ugh. Anyway. Um, so I did wish for a little more randomness but i think it's particularly egregious at that last encounter where the huntsman appears he's this like a mighty hunter guy who's been charged to help the elf uh king he has like you know uh evil dogs that have ripped a guy apart in town um but yeah it's kind of like hey 
<laughs> no matter what the PCs have planned at this point, here's how the hunter appears to like kind of screw things up. Like, oh, they negotiated a truce with the elf king. He appears right when it's inconvenient. Like, they find a door, he pops out, and, you know, it's it feels very much like forget player agency. Here's, like, a big gotcha moment where you, you have to deal with this big baddie, um, which I wasn't – That's that strikes me as not quite fun. That, that's totally yeah, and, removing And, and, and it, it comes have. after this moment with the prince where uh-huh. it's possible to do your best and the prince curses you and then still lives and runs off. It just feels very dumb. Yeah. It's very dumb. Yeah. Um, I do like – I think the curses are funny and fun. Oh, the though, curses are great. Curses are great. I have no problem yeah. with curses. I'm all about Particularly curses. Particularly like the one where anytime you hear music, you have to dance. Yeah. Like that's I dance. thought about this. Okay, so I was reading this in bed uh-huh. last night. Yeah. Okay, I printed out my own little copy. And I uh-huh. went through and I tried to think, which curse would I take? And I think it'd be that one of all the yeah. curses. Like, that's the one that I would be the most able to manage, you know? <laughs> yeah, but it would fun. be so funny to subvert players with that. Like, if that information gets out and, like, what your enemies do with that. Like, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, the curses are, like, you can only eat fairy food or you die. Like, that's not No way. I wouldn't fun. want that one. No. Uh, I mean, you're just stuck in this barrow or you have to go into the world of fairy or else you die. It's just like, what do you do with that? Two is you can't be in sunlight. Kind of fun. I like the vampire kind of stuff. That's neat. But then three, anytime you hear music, you have to dance. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So overall, um, overall, I think there are a lot of things to like in this adventure. I uh-huh. really love the art. I love the art on that map, even though I think it does nothing for the players. I think the... um structure needs a lot of work especially going into the mound i think the mound itself is very good i like the dungeon itself it's, it's a good dungeon yeah you said you didn't like the map you didn't like the layout no, no, no. Of the map. i What's... did the, the the not the dungeon map the main oh, map. oh, oh okay the town map yeah, yeah okay. sorry that may explain thought, the this, no, no no i thought I, the dungeon map it's is great terrific. it's like, great, great loops totally no no, no like, i'm sorry i, I encounter pacing is excellent i was referring specifically to the map with the river on it. I even said there's... A, I you know, feel you. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. That, that map is useless. Like, I would rather not have it, even though I like it a lot. I like how it looks. Yeah. You know? um, that, no, no, this dungeon, terrific. It, it tells you exactly what you would need to know. It has uh-huh. um, a lot of artistic flourish, you know, little corners and stuff of goblins and, yeah. and unicorns, angry little unicorns. But uh, no, I think it's great. I think the design of the map is great. I have no disagreement there. I just, and I really do like how the dungeon itself is kind of made out of earth and trees and stuff. Very cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, my issue is the specific ways that each of the encounters is translated into this specific system, which whatever that's, Hey, what would a podcast between a systems guy and a adventure guy look like? Well, kill some trees, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm like, what system? Yeah, and there's a yeah. system. What? <laughs> I just <laughs> you're like whatever dice are around. <laughs> yeah, it's Mister System. Oh, so much system here. Yeah, that's true. That anyway, is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm really into a specific <laughs> amount. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. There's numbers. Yeah. I didn't look at that. <laughs> All I did was read because I try to understand the intent behind the mechanics and I played. Uh-huh. I've played DCC. I actually happen to like everything Goodman Games does. Even though yeah. it's not for me, it's like it's like Wes Anderson movies. Like it's not for okay. me, but I appreciate that it exists and is telling some people something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like Wes Anderson. Wood in, movies. Wooden dialogue—that's what it's telling people. Purposely, oh, come on, uh, purposely emotionless dialogue. <laughs> oh God, I can't. They're not You're people. You're caught up in people the details. Don't act 
that way. Okay, whatever, whatever. Why should they? It does, the film doesn't have a... No, okay, you know what? I'm not talking about... Let's not, let's not pivot into why I don't like Wes Anderson movies, but... Uh. Let's, just, let's talk about why they are good. No, it is interesting, though. People who uh-huh. like Wes Anderson films, I tend to like yeah. the same music as them. Is what I found. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, speaking of which, um, I now that we're, I guess, at the end of the show, do you have any other things you want to say? Uh, I think this is a really solid adventure. I like it very much. I wish there was a little more spice in the setup component. I mean, I like it once we get to the unicorn, but I just wish there's more to do in the town, around the countryside. There was more things on the map. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of setup to get, like, the town has nothing for you. <laughs> Go to the farm. There's nothing even, interesting that happens on the way to the farm. Right, exactly. You get to the farm. It's exactly. like, why do I have to talk to these guys before yeah. I talk to this guy? It also it doesn't really guy. make sense because it says many of the oh. sightings have occurred near Marrow's farm, which is closest to the Ivy Wood. It's not in any way closer based on the map. No, it's like six miles. You got to cross no, a river. But and no, my, my, my point is they're saying uh-huh. if you look at the map, this town of Ain oh, yeah. and the town of Mar- yeah. and Marrow's farm are virtually uh, parallel. And somehow Mara's farm is supposed to be closer. I'm guessing it's it was the farm was supposed to be further to the west, maybe on the like if I ran this, I would move the farm um to the west side of the map on the other side of the road, which gives them a reason to travel. Or I would put it put it somewhere harder to yeah. get to, you know? It just it, seems it's odd. curious. Right. That like the town there's like a, a river separates the farm from the town and there's only one bridge. So you'd think like I don't know, like a like the unicorn and the dogs are all crossing this bridge. You'd think maybe there'd be more action. Yeah, that bridge, would be great. You know? That's a great point. Great point. Make it feel real, you know? Also, why yeah. do we need a map of the farm? Like, there's nothing useful there. Was, <laughs> I know, but I like the big goat. It was, it was I like how man. it looks. You can love someone's art and be and still say, yeah. this is weird. What does this represent? I don't know. Slap that down on your VTT. Your players are going to like looking at the goat. Nope, nope. I don't know. No harm there. Look at the little snail illumination. What? You know, you see the little snail oh, there? yeah. It's so that. cute. Okay. I love that. Yeah, the corner marginalia, whatever you call it, uh, reminds me yeah. of the um, that book of fairies. Uh, is it the the copper book of fairies? One of those. I should, I should know uh, this. Mr. Folklore. Here we go. There is this specific... Damn, what is it called? Is it the... The, the purple? No. Um, there is an old book that's like the purple book of fairies or something. Oh, man. I'm not, you know, I'll oh, just boy. cut All this. right. End the show and then look at your fairy coloring books, okay? Yes. Andrew Lang. I found it. The Violet Fairy Book by Andrew Lang. This book is from 1901. It has some amazing artwork in it of like forest stuff. It's definitely somewhere in my like public domain uh, trove. But uh, the marginalia in that book is reminiscent of this or vice versa there we go we got facts we got facts on this show facts all day okay uh well this has been between two karens you can find more of our episodes uh wherever your podcasting app takes you uh you can reach us at between two karens at gmail.com we have a patreon patreon.com slash between two karens we also have a channel on the karen discord feel free to find that and see you all next week Hopefully. Yep. That's right. Happy birthday. If it's your birthday. And if if it's not, listen to this episode on your birthday and you can hear us saying happy birthday to you. It's your special day. 
And I hope you make it a good one. Enjoy a cake or whatever special treat you like. And I uh, hope you get lots of presents. Happy birthday from Between Two Cairns. Would you like to say happy birthday to our listeners, Yochai? I mean, you know how I feel about birthdays, but I do... I you do. can't even say happy birthday to I, our listeners. I mean, okay. if it was a specific right, listener, okay. maybe, but this is so... Happy birthday from both of us. That's not what I agreed to, but... Uh, between two cares. Okay. okay, goodbye.